Welcome to Matt D'Elia is Confused. This is Matt D'Elia, a.k.a. M. Diesel. And lots to talk about this week. Um, lots going on. I'm still just personally, on the personal side of things, I'm still fucking trying to move. Nobody's letting me do it. Trying to fucking give people money. Nobody wants to take it. I know I said this already, but moving during COVID is such a fucking pain in the ass. Uh, But so is almost everything else. So what's the big fucking deal? And who cares? Uh, Way bigger, way crazier, and way worse shit going on in the world than that. Speaking of bad shit, might as well start with the worst shit. And there's nothing fun or funny about this. This is just a thing that's in the news that is unavoidable if you've been paying attention to the news at all. Um, uh, or even, even not the news, just on social media. Um, understandably, everyone's talking about it. Uh, a, tr- a tragedy happened this week. If you don't know, I don't know what to tell you. You need to get your head out of your ass. You're living under a rock. Remove the rock. Um, there was... Uh, uh, Grouped together, there was there was a there was a domestic terrorist attack. Um, uh, a man, an Atlanta man, a, a, a white guy in Atlanta, whose name I'm not going to say. I don't like it. That that I, I, there's a part of me that when I read about this fucking shit and I read the person's name and I see the person's face, while I understand it's news, everyone does need to know. But there's something about the oversharing of the name and the image of the guy's face. And it always is a guy. Uh, in this case, uh, what a surprise. It was a guy. What a surprise. It was a white guy. Um, but I don't, I, you know, because part of me, it's the kind of thing that perpetrating an act like this, any kind of violent act, any kind of terrorist act, any kind of mass violence I can't help because it's so inaccessible as a possible thing to do out in the world. I assume that what the person's after in part is attention. I'm sure there's a lot of things at play psychologically. Um, but I can't get around the, the idea that these men who do these kinds of things, notoriety is a, at least in part what they seek. And it, it, on, a, on a, some unavoidable level, it bothers me that I keep seeing this fucking piece of shit's face and reading his fucking name. He doesn't deserve that. What he did was, again, if you don't know, I don't know what to tell you. Read, read more things. Uh, he went around three different massage parlors in the Atlanta area and just shot them up, killed eight people, wounded more, and... In doing so, ruined many, many people's lives. The domino effect of killing eight people, the amount of people you affect, is hard to quantify. And that's just the people who know the, 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 those who were killed. There's also the, the, the effect that it has on the world at large, the country and the world at large. This happened to be an incident that the whole world was watching and paying attention to. Because it's coinciding with a moment in time a massive uptick in hate crimes against Asians in America against Asian Americans. I believe all of the victims were of Asian descent, though I'm not positive about that. I know, I do know that that's who was targeted though. And the reason there's been an uptick in violence and hate crimes, and in this case, domestic terrorist acts of domestic terrorism against Asian Americans unfortunately isn't surprising. What we saw over the last year as coronavirus spread around around the globe came to America and spread like wildfire because I wouldn't say we're dumber than anyone else in the world but we're a unique strain of dumb 
that particularly goes badly with the way to be during a fucking pandemic. The rugged individualism, the insubordinate sort of knee-jerk, I'm going to do what I want thing feels particularly American. And so that just did not mix with the, we all got to do this together, wear masks, stay isolated, whatever, all this shit. As we all know, I don't need to rehash the entire thing. It became heavily politicized immediately. And it didn't take very long for Trump and many people, not just Trump, but Trump was sort of the spearhead of the movement and the loudest voice with the loudest megaphone calling COVID-19 and coronavirus the China virus. And in some cases, the Kung Fu virus. Clearly, uh, what what what's the word you even call that? I mean, it 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 the kind of racist that 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 is isn't. I think for some people, at least the defenders of those who said shit like that, who used that term, I think one of the one of the, the most insidiously, uh, for lack of a better word, genius things about uh, the unbelievable the unbelievable piece of shit Donald Trump is that he, when he says things like this, when he says the China virus, he, he gives himself or just forces wiggle room. And he slides out of being like, it's not racist. What? It is just from China. So I'm going to call it the China virus. But obviously he was hitching some sort of, um, vitriol towards a specific group of people. That specific group of people was Chinese Americans and in a broader sense, Asian Americans. And, oh, what a fucking surprise over this last year. The uptick in hate crimes and domestic terrorist acts towards Asian Americans has gone way the fuck up. Gee, I wonder fucking why. This is what fucking happens, you piece of shit, you pieces of shit. All of you motherfuckers who are like, it's not racist to say the China virus. Words fucking matter. Language matters. And this is the direct fucking result. Some idiot dipshit baby motherfucker can just by the way he went out and bought a gun that fucking day that day he went to a gun store got a fucking gun legally in the state of georgia and ammunition and used it on human beings later that fucking day and that's a separate issue not going to get into the gun control thing but that let's flag that because that's not good Being able to go out and buy a gun that very day and walk out of the fucking store with it, not good. Not a good idea. Anybody who just wants and needs a gun right now, that ain't going to fucking end well. But it is unfortunately not fucking surprising when the language from the very top, from the fucking president, is actually fucking racist towards one specific group, should we be surprised that that president's supporters go out and commit violence against the very people he's being racist towards? And and, 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 then just somehow to somehow make it fucking even worse, at the press conference, the spokesperson for the police department down in Atlanta, who, by the way, apparently had posted racist shit on his fucking Facebook account, which was found out after the fact, after the news conference, because what he said at the news conference, he was like, I, look, I, I actually think that for some people who, who, who may actually not even be racist, think, no, No, then nobody's really that racist. 
It's just a small problem. But I, I, I strongly suggest you watch this news conference. Because the way the fucking police spokesperson is talking about it, it's, it's like he specifically went to the podium to minimize the act. The dude fucking committed an act of fucking terrorism. He's a terrorist, okay? He killed eight people. Why? Well, if you listen to the fucking spokesperson for the police, it's some fucking sexual issue. He was a sex addict. And he, and he harbored ill will against these massage therapists who were, I don't even get the connection there. If you're a sex addict, you don't kill people who are alluring or inviting some kind of sex act. That's not a thing. So let's nix that off the list of things to say at the podium. And then I'm paraphrasing here, but the guy to give a reason for why he did it. He was putting forth the the, the idea that the shooter was not, it was not racially motivated or politically motivated or anything, but that he just had a, was having a bad day. And this was the result. You know what I do when I have a bad day? A really bad day? The worst fucking day of mine? I throw something at a wall. And even, honestly, honestly, even that is fucking true baby shit. That's what babies do. And when I do that, I feel like a fucking baby. But dude, oh, you had a bad fucking day? So you went out and bought a gun and shot people? Specifically targeting Asian people? You're a fucking piece of shit and you're a fucking baby on top of that. That's the thing. On top of everything else, on top of the horror, on top of the evil, on top of the fucking just tragedy... The men that do this are fucking babies. Grow the fuck up. You had a bad day. Fucking deal with it. I mean, I know I'm assuming I'm preaching the fucking choir. I can't imagine anybody listening actually even slightly disagrees with me. But, you know, you got to fucking talk about it. It's unfucking believable. He had a bad day. Fuck you it's just a fucking top to bottom tragedy it's so fucking sad my heart goes out to anybody who was obviously those who were killed and anybody who knew them anybody who loved them And anybody who sees this and is scared by it. Because, you know, in the days since this happened, many, many, many Asian Americans have been coming forth with their own stories about how their experience has changed over the last year. You don't have to, it doesn't have to result in death for it to be noticeable and noticeably a huge problem. It's like when, pe- when, the pe- when the COVID deniers are like, well, only 1% dies. Yeah, only 1% dies, but a lot of people live and suffer. And a lot of people live and suffer long term. A lot of people got it a fucking year ago and are still suffering and will continue to suffer their whole life. Death is not the only bad thing. I'm so fucking sick of that. That is such a straw man bullshit argument. Well, only 1% die. What's the big deal? Death, death isn't even in the COVID case, in the case of COVID, isn't even the worst possible thing. But my point about the hate crimes and the rising racism toward Asian Americans, it's little things too. It's not just the terrorist acts. 
obviously those are the most, most, most maximum tragic. But you listen to these people and it's fucking heartbreaking. Words matter. Language matters. And this isn't news to, 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 there are millions of people who the moment the word, the phrase China virus came out of Donald Trump's mouth, who were like, oh no, this is bad. I was one of them. And there were many like me. Oh no, this is bad. If he's going to start doing this now, this is a fucking going to, going to cause some serious, seriously bad shit. And would you look now? It fucking did. And it has been, and it culminated in this. And I doubt it's going to fucking stop now. Just another way Donald Trump emboldened very shitty people in this country to be even shittier. I saw the, uh, I also, there was another fucking story about a guy who was arrested out of the, uh, outside of Kamala Harris's residence with like a shitload of ammunition unregistered and a shitload of weapons unregistered. So the guy's going to be in jail for a long fucking time. But that wasn't going to go well. Everybody with the fucking guns. Stop. <sighs> about the about the um just to put a button on it um about the uh rising hate crimes enacted towards asian americans i saw this one story that was truly sad and there was a woman it was a video somehow i forget if it was it was just a random surveillance camera that caught it or, or what. But there was a video of this 75-year-old Chinese woman in San Francisco who just gets fucking blindsided, punched in the head by a guy my age, half of 75. He blindsides this 75-year-old woman. And for everyone who's want to jump and be like, well, maybe that wasn't because she was fucking Asian. He had literally done the same thing to an elderly Asian man earlier in the day. So now, nah. again, here's someone specifically targeting Asian Americans. Elderly ones from behind. Could you be a bigger fucking baby than that? Anyway, in an attempt to not end this note on the most depressing possible one, the woman, the 75-year-old woman who got blindsided by a man half her age waiting for her bus ended up beating the shit out of the guy. The woman ended up having a bruised face and some cuts, but the guy ended up being carted off on a fucking stretcher. That woman fucking rules. It's still so fucking sad. But that that was that 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 kind of shit that's like gives you such satisfaction. But yeah, it's all around just very very fucking sad. And the solution is Fucking stop doing that. How dumb do you have to... How fucking stupid do you have to be to look at what happened with the coronavirus? Even if you blame the Chinese government, which is a horrible bunch of people, even if you hold it against 
the Chinese government, specifically and only the Chinese government, say you did do that and were angry about that. You lost your job, someone you know died of COVID, and you, bl- you say, let's, I'm making up a person, but you know these people exist. Say you blame China for that, right? To hold those feelings and those thoughts and those ideas in your mind and then to just attack a random Asian American person in Atlanta or San Francisco or anywhere, you're a fucking idiot. You are a fucking absolute fucking idiot, evil, piece of shit baby. You are the worst kind of person. I got worked up. I mean, I I didn't mean to spend 20 minutes on that, but it's fucking important. And I got worked up. Speaking of age, just talking about that woman who beat the shit out of the guy half her age who, who blindsided her. As I've, as I've gotten up in years, let's say, as I've gotten older, my ideas about age have changed. You know, when you're, when you're young, when you're in your teens or even in your early 20s, you look at people, even in their mid-30s, certainly in their 40s, and you're like, that person's old. And then you look at people who are in their 60s, and you're like, that person's fucking ancient. And that feeling starts to slowly diminish, I would say, all the way up to your mid-30s. And then, by the time you hit your mid-30s, you're like, I'm old. I'm old now. When... When did that happen? And I was I was texting with somebody about this and I was thinking about it and I was trying to pinpoint... Okay, to finish the first thought, the way my feelings about age have changed is that now that I'm 37, I look to younger people who are young, just straight up young, late 20s, early 20s, and I think, ah, oh, you're so young. Even though I'm cl- kind of close to them in age, I'm like, you're so young. And I'm old. And then I look at people who are old, actually old, 60s and 70s. And I think, you're so old. But also, I'm kind of close to you too. All I've done is define what it means to be in your middle years in life. But it's a weird thing that happens because you don't feel young and you don't feel old. No one thinks about being in the middle. There's youth and then there's old age. But I was thinking about it and I was trying to think, when did it happen that I became old? Now, obviously, I don't mean like I'm an old person, but I'm, but at the same time, I am old. That doesn't make sense, but I know what I mean, so I'm going to hope you do too. And I was trying to pinpoint exactly when, how this age, that, or this, my, uh, uh, my experience of aging and how I feel about age also mapping that onto the the experience of others going through the same thing. And I've come up with the theory that you're young, you're just a young person until you're 32. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you're 32, you're young. You're still young. And then you're still pretty young until you're... 35. And when you're 35, you are now old. Okay. You don't know it though. You don't think 
when you turn 35, you're not like, I'm old now. You just are old, whether you know it or not, okay? Then when you're 36, you're starting to, you're starting to be like, well, I just passed the very middle of my 30s, and being old starts to dawn on you because now the next thing around the corner is 40. And 40's got this like thing about it. Nobody really talks about turning 50 or 30, but people talk about turning 40. It's like the ultimate sign of middle age, I guess. So when when you're 36, you're starting to be like, "Uh, I guess I'm old, but I don't feel old. I don't, I'm not different than I was last year. And last year I wasn't old. You were, you just didn't notice it. But then when you finally turn 37, which I have recently done, you're basically a fucking senior citizen. Because when you're 37, you're basically 40. And when you're basically 40, you're also basically 45 or even 49. And then when you're 49, you're basically 50. And when you're basically 50, you are actually basically a senior citizen. Basically, not not quite, but basically. So now you're basically over 65. And you all you did was turn 37. And just two short years ago, you were still young. 34, you're young. 35, you're old and don't know it yet. 36 is starting to sink in. And 37, you're over 65. I promise you. Anybody who has turned 37, if you're not 37 yet, ask them. If you are 37, think about it. I promise you that what I'm saying will bear out to be true. When you are 37, you are basically over 65. Even though two short years ago, you were only 35. So what I'm saying is, two years after you turned 35, you're basically 65. So enjoy your youth while it lasts, if you still have it. If you don't still have it, fuck it. We're all going to die anyway. And really, what's time? What's 70 years? What's 80 years versus 40? It's all just a fucking tiny little droplet in the ocean. This is how my mind works. Anytime I think about any span of, of years, the end is just me being like, oh, what the fuck? Who cares anyway? It's nothing. Dinosaurs existed. The fucking Big Bang happened. The fuck is 37 years? That's nothing. That's like one single frame in a two-hour movie. Not a second, one frame. And maybe not even that. So really, ultimately, what the fuck is old? What the fuck is young? What the fuck is middle age? We're all going to die real soon. So even if you're not still young, just fucking enjoy it. What the fuck else, you know? Uh, okay, uh, it's about that time when things start to get up to roughly 7,000 degrees uh, in my recording room. Speaking of recording, I'm actually going to take a break right now, but before I do that, uh, I uh, once I do actually move, I'm going to start um, finally doing video on the podcast, um, and I will probably also end up setting up some kind of patreon for extras extras because we all want those extras um but um 
but yeah, that's coming around the corner. Uh, I just want to get that out of the way before I fucking forget because I forget everything. And okay, I'm going to take a break now. And I promise I got some lighter shit to discuss on the other side. I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay, don't go anywhere. Matt D'Elia is confused. We'll return right after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I'm back. And I actually, I've been thinking... <clears throat> Now it's been enough time that Joe Biden has been president that we should all feel free to start just treating him like everyone's always treated every president, which is that when they fuck up, you tell them they, you talk about how they fucked up, you know, they're the president. So if they fuck up, doesn't matter who they are, what party they're in, they fucked up. And obviously, uh, uh, it, when you look at, when I, at least, just speaking for myself, I, but I think a lot of people shared this sentiment, which was when you looked at the two candidates, it was so much easier to see Joe Biden as the preferable candidate because Donald Trump was so terrible. And even if you didn't think it was terrible, it was so fucking chaotic. But you should have thought he was terrible because he was. Now Joe Biden's president, though. And Donald Trump is not president anymore. And Joe Biden's been president now for a couple months. And he's done a lot of good shit. A lot of shit that I like. A lot of shit that a lot of people like. He's actually done a good job so far. That doesn't mean he doesn't do fucked up dumb shit, though. And I was reading something and, uh, and I was starting to think like, I, I, you got you to gotta fucking hold people to a standard, right? So I think enough time has passed now that even those of us who desperately preferred Biden over Trump, now the president is just the president. Another election isn't for four fucking years. So this is who we have and this is what we are reacting to, responding to. This is what we're dealing with. And I saw a story the other day, yesterday, that was like something out of the fucking Nixon era shit. Staff at the White House, one by one, have been fired for having admitted during a job interview, during which they were assured that this wouldn't have an effect on their job, okay? So they were assured that, 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 that answering truthfully to this question would not affect them. They just wanted honesty. And the question, meanwhile, wasn't even a fucking thing. All it was was, have you ever, have you ever smoked marijuana? Now, let's be honest, everyone has smoked marijuana. And even the people that haven't, it's still true that everyone has. And if you don't know that, you're fucking 
ancient and reactionary. At least about drugs. And one by one, now that the presidency is up and running and the administration is go, go, going, one by one, they've been contacted and fired expressly for the reason that in the past they've smoked marijuana. What the fuck is that? It's the worst reason to fire someone. Many, if not most of these people who admitted to it, it's fucking legal. It was legal. It was legal what they did. And now people are being fired, even though they were assured. That they wouldn't be. On top, that, on top of which, that's not even a fucking thing. As I said, everyone has smoked weed before. Even everyone's mom and dad have smoked weed before. No matter what they tell you, they have. Firing someone for that is like firing someone for fucking ever working on a Sunday. It's just like a lifestyle preference thing. Maybe these people only did it once anyway. That's some fucking Stasi shit. Just the way the federal government has always been about marijuana, even through the Obama years. It's still Schedule 1 narcotic, or Schedule A, Schedule 1, up there with fucking heroin, federally. So even though you can walk into any old fucking store, if you're over 18 in California, and many, many, many other states, if, you're, if you have it on you, like crossing state line or whatever the fuck, in any kind of federal situation, you could be in serious fucking trouble. How fucking incongruous is that? How confusing is that? You can't drive down any major street in, in, in Los Angeles and not see a major sign for some dispensary. People on the street spinning the fucking green arrow. Hey, Biden administration, catch up to the year that it is. This is not even people who smoke weed now. If you have ever, what the fuck? So dumb. Also, I saw a video today, which was of Joe Biden going up the stairs to Air Force One and he literally slipped three times in a span of like one second, one second. And it was funny, but I'll admit I had a weird feeling. I kind of had a moment where I called myself out internally. Not out loud, because I'm not a crazy person. But I watched the video, and I laughed, but I was also like, oh, man, fuck, that's sad. But then I remembered the time Donald Trump did it, and I didn't feel sad at all. I was fucking, I laughed, and I was kind of happy that he looked like a fucking idiot. Now I know it's different when we like somebody. We don't want to see them do something like that. Versus when we don't like someone, we, we might like it more, right? Which is what happened to me. And that's actually, that is understandable. However, I want to hold public figures to the same standard. If you trip and fall, I want to laugh and that's it. It should be fair. I should apply the level to which I laugh to the level at which I enjoy politicians slipping and falling on stairs equally across the board. And while I don't now feel bad when I saw Donald Trump do it, 
I wish I didn't feel bad when I saw Joe Biden do it. It's kind of a, a weird thing to notice. I don't even know if that actually quite makes sense, but I hope it does. I, I would rather not have that bias that if someone I like slips in a funny way, I don't laugh as much. I want to laugh hard all the time, every time someone falls. The other day, I saw someone I know laughing so hard. Uh, uh, her head went back, like she laughed and her head went back and and her head hit something behind her. And I was standing at the time and I was also kind of laughing a little too, but I immediately fell on the ground and just... I. I I went from like kind of laughing to laughing so hard I was worried I was about to die in less than a second. That's how fucking hard and violent the laughter came. And this is someone I know and respect and like. That should also apply to fucking Joe Biden. Anyway, um, oh, you know what? Fucking shit. This is what I'm going to talk about. We got to talk. We got to talk about something as a country. We got to talk about something. And it's uh, Bruce Springsteen. This is important, okay? And here's one of the main reasons why it's important. I like him a lot. I loved him when I was like a, in my like, I guess when I was a teenager, I loved him. But I still really like him. I still like his music. And obviously, I'm not alone. He's one of the biggest superstars ever to make music. But something's happened in the last few years where the image of him has become something so thick and strong that I feel like the the people who are pushing that image down our throats are trying to make me not like him anymore. The fucking, the the like deep, rugged, authentic Americana shit. There's a new documentary about him that's just like so lionizing. There's a fucking Jeep commercial a Super Bowl commercial for Jeep that was just like so serious. And he's just like driving a Jeep. And he's just like, this country. Oh, it's tears or whatever. I mean, that wasn't what it happened, but. And now he's got a fucking podcast with Barack Obama. What the fuck? Bond down in a dead man's town. That's all I know. So I'm trying to stop there. Um, but like that, okay. He's also actually mis fucking misunderstood. That song is, is, I don't know if saying it's anti America is proper, but it's critical of America. And it's always played at like political rallies. Like it's some like, it's like, like it's America, the beautiful. Nobody listens to lyrics. I know I always say this, but it, it, it comes up a lot. 
The whole song is about the fucking his, some friend of his that what, what, what was dragged into fucking Vietnam to kill people. It didn't know why. Then they got killed, and he got killed. Or so, or yeah, he got killed. You know, it's just like a fucking depressing war song. Nobody knows that. People hear fucking bone in the USA and they're like, yeah, I love America. Listen to the lyrics. The first kick I took was when I hit the ground. End up like a dog has been beat too much till you spend half your life just covering it up. Born in the USA, I was born in the USA, I was born in the USA, born in the USA. I guess I do know the words. Sometimes you don't know you know the words until you hear a little bit of the song. Sometimes you don't know you know the words to a song until the song's playing. And sometimes you sing the lyrics to that song and don't even think about what the fuck it means at all, even though you're saying the words. All I'm asking is for people, I mean, I guess really advertising people, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm doing a thing where I'm like blocking off Bruce from criticism, even though it's him. So I guess he's got to be held accountable too. Bruce, you have enough money, dude. You're already alleged. If you died now, you would just be forever one of the most iconic, popular, beloved musicians of all time. So my plea to you is stop doing Jeep commercials that are fucking smolderingly serious. Stop making songs that are like about uh you know national discord i feel like th- like there are kind of moments <clears throat> i guess th- i mean this is true of all art forms i'm actually very interested in this in 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 general uh, particularly with movies, but it's true of music too. I was actually just talking to a friend about this. Like in the 80s, in the Reagan era, a lot of musicians that were really popular in the 60s, sort of counterculture, became really like simplistically, overtly, boringly political. And it wasn't just the 60s counterculture people. It was also people who had just become big in the 80s. New age people like Boy George. He had the fucking worst song ever, the war song. And yeah, obviously the sentiment's good. You're anti-war. Congrats. But don't make a shitty song. See, then it falls over on itself and you make the anti-war movement, anti-war sentiment seem dumb. So you're not helping. But you know, I think uh, during the Iraq war, there was a big surge in like um, on-the-nose political music. I think some of that came back during Trump. And I know that some of that popped up in the 80s during Reagan. I think when there's a uh, more sort of reactionary, uh, conservative president in office, a lot of musicians who are naturally progressive people, typically, not always, obviously, feel uh, some kind of calling to make music about that. Which, I, I look, I get, I really do get that impulse. The only problem is is that impulse sometimes leads to bad shit. And what I meant was when I say this is something I'm interested in in general with movies, it's interesting to look back in time and see the kinds of movies that were popular during, I want to say presidencies, but it's more political movements, what, what, what politics was in, what politicians were in power right? Uh, There's a constant sort of ebb and flow, even in the arts, that mirrors political climates. That's not just true of America. And a lot of times, the, the absolute best, best, best work coming out of 
any part of the world comes from some kind of horror show going on locally, originally, wherever the music or movies or art is coming out of. My mind, because I make movies and, and that's what I'm most interested in and most steeped in, in terms of knowledge, the thing that I think about the most is post-World War II Japan. The best, best, some of the greatest movies of all time came out in like a series of like six years. And that actually is true of the Vietnam era in America. Uh, a lot of, in, in a lot of Eastern European country, countries, post-communist rule. Because there's this overflowing of expression post-repression. So there's people sort of like expunging the, the horrors of their recent pasts, their collective pasts, national pasts, honestly, often. But it also is a double-edged sword. In two ways, actually. Triple-edged sword. How about that? This sword has three edges. The, the second obvious edge is that sometimes that work is shitty and the commentary is too on the fucking nose. For instance, I'm a big, well, not anymore, but generally the body of work of Oliver Stone is a body of work that I really appreciate. Now, when I go back and watch Platoon, I'm like, this is a fucking piece of shit. This is so on the fucking nose. But at the time, it was very, very celebrated. So at the time, it was an important movie. So that's the second edge. The third edge is that, especially when you look in the 80s, in movies at least, the kinds of movies that were really big and sort of the kinds of movies that we remember the most about the 80s are so, so... uh, uh, Simpatico with Reaganism. The big, super fucking buff, proto-fascistic hero. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sylvester Stallone. We got a little bit of that too during the Trump era as well. I hate to say it, but the fucking Marvel movies are mega central. Probably gonna get a lot of people mad at me for saying that. It's just the fucking sense I get. It's so simplistic. It's so jingoistic. Captain America, the most of that. There's a book called Capitalist Superheroes that Slavo Zizek writes the introduction for. I'm blanking on the actual author's name. But it's it's about this specifically from the 80s, even into now. It's why I wanted to read the book. It's something that I had I've thought about a lot. Now, at the same time, maybe this is the fourth edge of this sword? I don't know if this is the same sword. This might be a different weapon altogether. But it's adjacent to the sword. This is uh, uh, like a little sibling weapon. Like a little, like the kind of knives Raphael had. It's like one of those. So there's the triple-edged sword of the thing I just said. And now there's a little Raphael Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle knife. Whatever the fuck those are called. By the way, my favorite Ninja Turtle was Donatello, and anyone who doesn't like Donatello the most needs to get their head checked. <clears throat> um, he was smart. He was kind. He had the big stick. He's like waving it around, being like chill. You know what I mean? I, w- I was annoyed by the rest of the Ninja Turtles. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there are also... On top of that, or in addition to the triple-edged sword I just defined, elucidated, expounded on, there's also like weird, then this is, I, I think, uh, th- this is more inquisitive though, I don't know. It's kind of just confusing, it's just like a big mystery why this happens. But there are some decades where there are many either movies or songs about a thing, about a kind of thing in a genre, in a style that doesn't really make sense. 
when you look back, you can't really place it. You don't know why. And one of these things that struck me for some reason today, or not today, I feel like it's been brewing for a while. But I, I, you know what? I think it started actually when I, in that episode where I was doing, where I was talking about 90s music for the whole fucking episode, even though I didn't mean to. Just thinking about 90s music in general. In the 90s, there were so many songs about homeless people. Now, actually, that is that 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 observation is truly neither here nor there. It is not a comment on the quality of the song, the uh, purpose of the song, the meaning of the song. I'm just observing that that happened, and I don't know why. I don't think homelessness was particularly bad in the 90s. I say I don't think. Because I don't know. I'm not a fucking historian. But I think homelessness has... I would venture to say I definitely think homelessness has been bad. Rather worse at other times. I know it was bad, for instance, under Reagan. He fucking closed... He stopped federal funding for many, many, many... um, mental health institutions. And a lot of the people, once those places got shuttered, just had to go on the streets. There's just a flood of people out into the streets. And this is why people like Giuliani ended up having a, uh, uh, it was sort of like a trickle-down effect. I guess, no pun intended, trickle-down in terms of Reagan, not in terms of the economy. But there was a trickle-down effect where federal funding for uh, mental health completely stopped. Places that cared for those with uh well for various reasons had a had a difficult time or 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 it was for some impossible to be integrated into society at large but they had nowhere to go so once these places were shuttered they literally just went on the streets somewhere they went to a city and lived there one of those cities was new york the mayor of new york was rudy giuliani rudy giuliani was like fuck all you guys I don't want you in my city. And he cracked down on homelessness there. So it was just like this constant sort of shoveling, shoving homeless people somewhere else. So I guess it kind of makes sense. But the songs about homeless people in the 90s, I, I still don't get it. I'm going to list them now. Because maybe you're like, what are you fucking talking about, Matt? All, by the way, all of this is just off the top of my fucking head. There's Mr. Wendell, the Arrested Development song. There's uh, fucking the Megadeth song, Breadline. There's that terrible Everlast song called What It's Like. There's that amazing Soundgarden song, Spoon Man, which is less directly about a homeless man, but Spoon Man, who the song is about, is homeless. And then there's the Crystal Waters song, which I think is a less known, called Gypsy Woman, and then in parentheses, she's homeless. Spoon Man! Do you even know what it's like? Mr. Wendell, hey, yeah. Here we go. Wow, I remember this song. I had the fucking cassette of this song. I loved this song. Here, have a dollar. Two dollars means a snack for me, but it means a big deal to you. Be strong, serve God only. Know that if you do, beautiful heaven awaits. As to pull my rope for the first time. I saw a man with no clothes, no money, no plate. Mr. Wind. That's his name. No one ever knew his name, because he's a no one. Never thought twice. Fucking rude. I don't know how I feel about this. This feels 
some kind of exploitative to me. Now, looking back, at the time, I loved that song. No one ever knew his name because he's a no one. Ah. Never thought twice about spending on an old bum. Ah. I don't know. I mean, I know it's about changing one's mind about it. Ah. Something about it feels kind of gross in retrospect. This song is so bad, though. This fucking... And I, if you don't remember this one, you're lucky. But I'm about to remind you, you can't get away from it. Wow, this guy. Everlast! Pick a song back and fall your chain. The hair on his face is dirty, dreadlocked, and full of names. He asks a man for work to spare with shame in his eyes. Get his job, you fucking slobs, all he replies. Hey, man. I get, again, I get, God forbid you ever have to walk a mile in his shoes, because then you might really know what it's like to sing the blues. I, I get... I'm not an idiot. I get what the song is ostensibly about. Like, well, why don't you fucking try walking in his shoes? See if you like to say, be told that. But it's also like, I don't know. It feels, something feels wrong about it. I, it's not like I'm saying they're making fun of them, but there's something feels exploitative about it. Um, I'm gonna, uh, real quick, I'm just going to play the uh, Crystal, what is her, Crystal Waters. Here we go. This one is extra weird, I think. This song's fucking eight minutes. I can't believe how hot I am right now. I cannot believe how hot I am right now. Uh, begin. Uh, begin. Because she cares, yeah. I knew the la da di la da dao song, but this was another song, the lyrics of which I didn't fucking know. So now I'm on a hunt to find out, to unearth all of the not as obvious trends of songs. The 90s had this this, uh, uh, homelessness thing happening in their music for some reason. Spoon man. Um, and I don't know why, but this is true of music all throughout all different decades. And I'm a fucking music detective now, which I think we've all gathered that about me by now, even though I've never said it, it's pretty clear. I'm a music detective and, um, I'm going to continue being a music detective and nothing's ever going to stop me before i go uh i just want you guys to hear chris cornell say spoon man a couple times so here we go
Uh, begin. Here it comes. Fuck yeah! Save me! I'm together with your plan! Could I have hurt my voice more when I did that? No. Absolutely not. Oh my fucking god. So now I'm going to go rest my voice. I love you all. Still be careful out there. A lot of people I know are getting vaccinated. More are getting vaccinated every day. Get vaccinated. Don't be a dumb fuck. But stay sharp out there. Stay smart. There's some surges going on in some states. Just thigh if you can. I know we're all excited to get out, mingle, look at people again. I get that. Me too. But don't be a dumb all right, uh, I love you all. Take care of yourselves. I will talk to you all very, 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 very soon. Okay.